Third time I took my first step with it, and now I can walk without it, but I can't do steps very well. I did today, but I can't stand very long, so thanks for letting me sit enough about that. If you don't mind, I'd like to go to the scriptures right now and share with you something that I hope will be impactful to you as it has been to me. Uh, when my wife passed away, I'd already gotten into a very, very strong habit, not, not particularly uh, take it or leave it. It became so strong to me that even today, and this started about three years ago, that I wake up early in the morning, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock typically, and for three hours I'm in the Word of God, and I listen to my gospel music, and I pray for about three hours every day. And I, I'd never done that before. I mean, I've been in ministry for over 50 years. I actually licensed uh, 53 years ago, but ordained 50 years ago coming this June. And in all the years, I, I never had that habitual return at that hour of the morning. But God was preparing me for what was coming. And... In the more recent months now, I have found myself just in, in, immersed is the best word, I think. Immersed into the presence of the Lord every morning. His mercies are new one second past midnight. Amen? Every morning, his mercies are new, the Bible tells us. So one second past midnight, I'm like a goose. I start a new day. That's why I love golf. You can have a terrible first hole, but you get started all over on the second one. And I never accumulate the score. No, that's very, very devastating to my ego. So what I'm going to share with you is something I have learned over the career of the man speaking to you, but has been more applicable in the last few months than ever in my life. So I'm going to invite you to join me and turn to, or if you're of your iPhones, join me and turn to uh, Psalm 85, Psalm 84, verse 5. And it says this, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it a place of springs. Verse 7, the, the rain also fills the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appeareth before God in Zion. What that tells us is there's a place called Baca. It's meaningless until you understand that word. And that word means tears, sorrow, grief. Now, there are people in here who have lost loved ones. Eventually, everybody loses loved ones. Amen? I mean, it's, it's part of life. Death is as important to life as birth is. It's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega of our experience in humanity. You're born, and then you die. There was a statement made years ago by a guy telling a story that he said, what is life? He said, man is born, he lives in misery, and he dies. That's not much to live for. That, that's not very encouraging. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be more, right? Well, I read this psalm, and David said, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in God. And if you can't start with that, you're not going to end well. We must start with something that we have available to us to hold on to bigger than ourselves. If, if God's not bigger than me, I don't need him. Come on, let's just be honest. And, and listen, you don't have to be very big to be bigger than me. I'm not talking about physical size. I'm talking about the power of what it takes to be a human being alive and well and enjoy the creation and being a creation by a creator who made us to be like himself but not above himself. Not even on the same plane. Jesus, the Bible said, did not make himself of any reputation. He didn't even put himself on the same level with God even though he was God with us, Emmanuel. So what I'm trying to tell you is, if we don't have God to start with, 
We don't have God to end with, and it's not good. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the highways. That's what ways mean, the highways to heaven. So in the heart, you know, the Bible tells us that straight is the way and narrow is the gate. Amen? Straight's the way. That means to the unbeliever, we're pretty narrow-minded. They think we can look down a soda straw with both eyes. And <laughs> that's pretty narrow-minded if you didn't catch that. It's a bad joke. Anyway, the fact is the world doesn't believe that we know what a good time is. No sex, no drugs, no alcohol. What do you do for fun? I say AIDS, alcoholism, drug addiction. What do you do for fun? So who's, who's, got, who's got it going for them? The believer does. And my point comes down to this. My highway to heaven is a broad way. It's not narrow. It's not skinny. It's not so thin that I can't get through it. To me, serving God is a broad way. Yeah, there's things out there you can do in the world that make you feel good for a short time. Then the next morning while you're worshiping at your porcelain toilet, throwing up your guts because of a bad night of drinking, tell me how fun it was. You see my point? I get up in the morning. I get with God. I have a great day for the rest of the day. So it's not a narrow way for me. It's a highway to heaven. But look, it passes through a valley. Say valley. valley. That is not a high point. That's a low point. That's not expression of joy. That's depression, oppression, sometimes even possession if it's really out of control. Those are the low points of life. But as a believer, I don't believe I can be possessed of the devil. I may be oppressed, and there are times I'm depressed, but I'll never be possessed of the devil because a fountain cannot spew forth both fresh water and salt water. It's one or the other, but not both. Because the minute salt water hits fresh water, it becomes salt water. Why doesn't salt water become fresh water when fresh water touches salt water? Why can't you have an uncold and somebody with a cold catch your uncold when you meet them? Why can't people with COVID lose their COVID because you didn't have it when you met them and they caught your uncovid? Because we live in a world that is depressed, oppressed, and possessed because God even gave Satan rule over this planet. He's the God of this world. But there's a God of the universe that supersedes all the gods of this world. Amen. Say amen. So passing through the valley of Baca, that means weeping, as I mentioned. We go through times in life of difficulty, of loss, of personal pain, of grief. But the thing about a valley is they don't last forever. You can go to Death Valley. You come out of the mountains to go into it, but you come out of the Death Valley into the mountains. The valley's only a temporal experience unless you choose to live there. I don't choose to live in depression. I don't choose to live in oppression. I choose to be free and to be happy. I mentioned this to the men. I'll share it with you. And a few of the thoughts I'm going to share, I, I didn't share this message with them, but a few of the thoughts I'm going to share with you, I've shared with them because these are things that are impacting in my life today. And I don't like to be used. I don't like to have a used message. I like to be fresh all the time. Amen? So I shared with them what I'm gonna, I want you to understand is that oppression is a choice. Depression is a choice. The enemy may come in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. That is, the enemy comes in with a flood. We come in back with a bigger flood. And when sin abounds, what? Grace much more abounds. So greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we automatically have all the tools necessary to succeed in life unless we choose not to. So 
in the walk with Christ, we know who he is. Our strength is in him. Yet we go through times of great sorrow in our lives. Do we choose to live there? I don't. And I want to encourage you, don't set up your tent in the valley of weeping. Pass through it. Passing through the valley of Baca. Did you know that is a very literal place? It's still named that. Slightly different spelling. Today it's called the Baca Valley. The Valley of Baca is the Baca Valley. Outside of Lebanon in the Holy Land. And I'm going to tell you some things. And if you're in military, I don't know what your military intelligence may have ever told you about the weapons of mass destruction. But I was in the Middle East with the troops at the time that, that we advanced in north into Iraq. And prior to that, the United Nations had been given all these, these ultimatums to Saddam Hussein, give up your weapons of mass destruction. Then out came the news, there were none. <laughs> Are you kidding me? NBC, nuclear, biological, chemical. There were the choices of any one of those three to succeed in fulfilling the statement that Saddam had these mass weapons of mass destruction. Where do you think they went if they were there to start with? ISG, Iraqi Survey Group, is, was an action of the CIA in, in uh, Iraq. And their headquarters was in what was nicknamed the Perfume Palace. And it was Saddam's palace where he kept all of his concubines. And, and on the lower levels, it had swimming pools. And only God knows the, the despicable debauchery of morality that went on there. But because it had a top that looked like the top of a perfume group for our CIA, I was presenting there and training for in resiliency, which is my job with the Department of Defense. And while I was there, you can't wear your name. Nobody's supposed to know each other's names. But I knew so many guys, and one of them comes up, throws his arm, hey, Dave, he's one of my pastor friends that to this day is in our program in ministry and Operation Warrior Reconnect. And I made a statement to them that day. I said, I know, you, I know what you're here for. You've got cameras on your, in the YouTube that are taking pictures. You have satellites that are taking pictures. You have UAV, uh, unmanned aerial vehicles, taking pictures. You have helmet cam. You have tanks taking pictures. Constant video inflow, and the entire facility was giant screens uh, about the size of the windows behind me on an octagonal presentation in the middle of the Perfume Palace, and each screen had a, an array of seating for guys that would analyze. Each screen had a series of about half a dozen or more analysts watching for, looking for, everybody's trying to find weapons of mass destruction. Too little, too late. They were already gone. And video shows that Saddam had already set out on 747s and truckloads of something. You know where it went? To Lebanon. You know where it went in Lebanon? It went to the Bekaa Valley, the same place that Terry Waite and all those hostages were kept during the Carter administration and under Reagan were released. 700-something days kept as, as hostages there. That place has a history originally known as the Valley of Hinnom. And if you know your history of Jewish history and biblical history, Hinnom is the valley where the children of Israel, in worship of Moloch, the devil, satanic worship, passed their children through the fire. That means they sacrifice their babies on burnt offering of sacrifice to the devil. I can't afford to serve the devil. What I tell you about, what do you do for fun if you're a Christian? I'm broad-minded, Bubba. I get to do everything I want to do. If it feels good, do it. It's the philosophy of the world. It's mine too. 
My philosophy is if it feels good, it feels good for me to serve God. It feels good for me to have lived 53 years with the same woman and never one time in my life touch another woman, never one time violate those. It feels good to me now that she's gone to look back and say, baby, I did it right. It feels good to me to be a man of God without dragging along a history of, debacle, of a debacle of life where I violated my conscience. It feels good to me to live for Jesus. So I do what feels good. It's a Broadway, but in passing through the valley, that valley has a history. And in this case, where do you think the weapons of mass destruction, not nuclear, not biological, but chemical warfare, where do you think Russia conned Syria into using it against their own people? The same weapons that, that Saddam Hussein used against the Kurds, his people, in the northern part of Iraq. I'm going to tell you something, folks. That valley will never be anything less than the valley of weeping till Jesus comes, and it's no longer political. Jesus will sit on the throne, and he won't get our vote. He does it no matter we, with or without our vote. There won't be any shenanigans, no, nothing. He is king of kings, lord of lords. He sits on a throne, not a judge's bench. Now, you listen to what I'm telling you because I'm saying this out of experience, not supposition. The valley of weeping is something all of us go through, but if you choose to live there, that's your choice. I'm not going to stay with you. I'm moving on. Because it shows us that we passing through this valley have the opportunity of a lifetime to dig a well. Passing through the valley of sorrow, they dig a well. One translation says they make it a place of springs. Now, I'm in the springs, aren't I? Colorado Springs. This is a place of springs. Briargate is a beautiful little community. It has a wonderful church with the best view of any church you can find in the country. Doesn't get any better than this. I can't wait for this place to end its continued growth. One day have a thousand-seat auditorium here and multiple services because they come here to drink from the water of the well that has been dug at Briargate. You with me? So here's my dream. Here's my belief that in this well-digging life that we have, that we will leave something for people that come behind us. See, we're passing through. What do we leave behind? It's called legacy. What is your legacy? Well, if it's being a wife beater, your children are going to do the same. Your boy will do the same thing to his wife. They're going to, sir, they're going to follow your example. Ma'am, your children, your daughters are going to follow your example. And, and it crisscrosses too. So I'm trying to tell you that if we leave a well behind, even if we dig a well we cannot drink any water out of, Sometimes wells hit dry, but then over a period of time, water seeps in, and it becomes a living water, a well. Sometimes you sweat more water than you'll ever hit in digging a well. And no water ever comes out of that well from the ground up. But the rains come, the Bible says, and fills the pools. So the rain comes, and it fills this hole in the ground you left that you didn't even get a drink of yourself. But when you're gone, somebody else comes along. They're dying for thirst. they're, They're literally dying for water. And guess what? They found that hole you dug that you thought was for naught, and it became the life-saving water for someone behind you. I I went to Vietnam in 1969. I was injured there in July of that year. A hand grenade blew six inches from my head. It devastated my body. Blew off 60 pounds of flesh in a matter of seconds. Went blind in my eye, deaf in my ear. Got my ears, plastic. It fell off when I was preaching in Jamaica. I stuck it back on. They thought it was a miracle, and they all got saved. That is a true story. That was a well that I dug, and I dug it with humor. Blew my hair off. 
I got my hair back. I bought it. This is not mine. Well, it's mine, but I, it was a guy in China. It was my gift from Wuhan, among other things, I'm sure. So I have this hair. I don't mind. I just don't like chasing across parking lots on windy Sundays. So in my devastation, I found things to laugh about. And when I come across, especially with military guys who are in, and they get depressed real easy because they're away from family, friends. They're in some godforsaken country fighting for freedom that the people they're fighting for back home protesting them. So often it, it can get to a guy. They don't call me to work in DOD because I'm good looking. I'm a long way. I'm better than I was five years ago. I got a nose now. I'm so proud of it. It's a boy. <laughs> they made it for me at Brook Army Medical Center along with 10 other surgeries since five years ago. And they're putting Humpty Dumpty back together again the best they can. So I guess what I'm, I'm trying to show you is the things that the devil intended for evil, what happens? God turns and uses it for good. I call it tragedy to triumph. So they don't call me because I'm good looking. They call me because actually I'm pretty scarred and messed up. If I, if I disrobe before you, then I have to kill you. <laughs> but you'd see the mess my body's in. I've been burned. 50% third degree. Now that means they took skin off my legs, put it on my chest, back, arms, fingers, face, to put me back together again the best they could. Actually, it was less than 50%, but the skin kept dying parts of it, and they kept taking more skin. It actually came out to be just about 50% third degree. Out of 13 of us in my room, I'm the sole survivor. Everybody in my room in that hospital died. They put us in there to die. They didn't want us dying on the main ward. It depressed other patients, and they would die. So they put us in there where we could depress each other to death. I call it the valley of weeping. They don't call me because of my mighty military strength. I have to sit down to even talk. I can't stand here and praise and worship. I have to sit most of the time because I don't have the strength in my muscles that were cut through. They, they fixed the nerve damage, but they couldn't make the muscles work right again. So they don't call me because my, they don't call me because my intellect. I was in the top 10% of the lower one-third of my class. I majored math and found out five out of four people don't even understand fractions. If you didn't catch that, you're in my class. <laughs> Why do they call me? Because I'm passing through the valley of their sorrow, their weeping, and they're dying of thirst, and I had a glass of water in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's why they call me. Don't you understand, Brock? You're not on this hill to be a depression to us. You're on this hill to be a light that can't be hid on a hill. Amen? So in the middle of... COVID and confusion and panic in pandemic be a word of hope. Be a message of declaration that Jesus is Lord and everything's going to work out. And it is. Little by little, it's getting better. And, and, and it, we'll, we'll get through this. We always, we, it's America, folks. We always get through it. But the day in God we trust is taken off our bills. The day in God we trust is removed from our courthouses. The day in God we trust is taken off the heart and the altar of our soul, then we have lost it as a nation, and I don't know we'll ever find our way back. So I'm not planning on living here. I have, I live on wheels, as you can see out there. I live on wheels. I'm looking for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I'm on my way to a better place. And I've never been so excited about it as I am lately, because i got somebody over there waiting on me. I mean, I've got my mom, dad, but I got somebody waiting on me named Jesus. And then if I want to see my wife, I just have to find Jesus because she'll be hanging around him a lot.
because she really did like him. In fact, she was madly in love with him. There were, I like to tell this, and I have to be careful of time, and I'll, I'll check it out here. I want to be through about noon. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I'm going to try to finish up in the next 10 minutes. But uh, while I was in Vietnam, her coworker at Allstate Insurance, say Allstate. Allstate. So I'm sure it's a good company. But she worked for them, and her coworker tried, while I was, she's married to me now in Vietnam, and back home, he's trying to date her, trying to take her out and bring her flowers, wooing her, trying to get her to go out with him. I got even with that sucker. I buy state farm insurance. <laughs> man's got to do what a man's got to do. And then there was the guy after I was in the hospital, my medic of all people, who kept trying to reach out and touch her backside and touch her breast, and he'd touch her arm, constantly trying to touch her mouth, and I saw it. And she knew that I saw it. And she said, Davey, I can't get him off my back. He's constantly harassing me. I said, I got it, baby. I, I got it. Don't worry about it. That night, I hyperventilated until I set off the alarms. He came running in and I mumbled and he got his ear down close to listen. And I bit him. <laughs> I bit that boy's ear, clenched it between my teeth. And between my teeth, I whispered, you touch her again, I'll kill you. What am I going to do, beat him to death with a hose in my nose? Scared him so bad, he never came back on the ward. He transferred off that ward, and I never saw him again. Then there was her college professor. After I got out of the hospital, we went back to college. He kept trying to take her out to dinner. Always, and, and every time class was over, he was, went straight to her. Well, he saw a picture of me and figured, if I survive, the other guy must not have, and he didn't want anything to do with me. I never met the guy, and he never made sure I never met him. He never bothered her again. Then there was the fourth guy. That guy, he, he spoke into her heart like nobody else. And she ran off with him. And it broke my heart. And I was very upset with him. But I got his name. And I got his address. And he sent me a note that said, I'll take better care of her than you ever did. And when it's time, you get her back. By the way, that guy's name was Jesus. And his address is the place we call heaven. I get my baby back. But I'm not going to heaven for Brenda as much as I miss her a lot. I'm not going to heaven for my mom, my dad, my stepmom. After my dad lost my mom, he remarried a wonderful lady. 14 years later, she was like a mom Precious, precious saint of God. Then that's not why I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven for streets of gold. God mocks us by paving streets with gold that we lusted after and murdered for. Maybe we get to heaven, we have an asphalt ring. Did you see my concrete necklace? I mean, after all, there's no concrete or asphalt there, so it must be precious. Maybe that's the precious stone. Are you kidding me? Gates made of pearls. Can you imagine? The clown that gave up that? So what am I telling you? I'm going to heaven for one reason above all reasons. To be with Jesus. Everything else is secondary. Because I'm walking through a valley. But there's a mountaintop experience at the end of every valley, friends. Don't walk out of that valley without leaving something behind that gives hope to somebody behind you. Do something for somebody today. That will give them a reason to live that one day they'll come out of that valley with you 
and look back and say, thank you for the water. Thank you for the drink. Thank you for the hope you gave me in Christ Jesus because I drank of the water that left me with never thirsting again. Amen? Does it make any sense to you what I'm telling you? Well, what about that last verse? They go from strength to strength. Who's they? Well diggers. What strength is strength? They go from well to well. You see, before you was a well digger, how do you think you got where you are today in Christ? Somebody dug a well for you. And you have been drinking from the water of somebody else's sweat, toil, and, and blood, sweat, and tears digging a well for you. So we owe it to pass it forward and give to those what we have been given. And, and the scripture says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, I think it is, or verse 5, he says, Comfort those wherewith you are comforted. Give what you have been given. And today that's all I'm trying to do for you is in this valley, national, international, worldwide tragedy, let's do something that brings hope instead of adding to the fear. Amen? One day we'll look back and kind of laugh at all this. And, well, it was a year or a year and a half, maybe even two years. We don't know how long we have. You know you're ugly when they tell you, put on a mask, and there was no COVID. <laughs> it was a bad joke, but I thought of it. I learned to laugh, and I think the water I drink from more has been the humor that God gave me in the middle of difficulties. Because people say, how do you want to go to hell to get there? You know what I'm saying? But I got there. I'm going to get there. We believe. And so I, I think this valley of weeping that we all go through and we're in, sometimes very personal, if we keep our eyes on the goal that's set before us, that we would be like Christ, even in the midst of all that he went through. He, you don't want to talk about a valley. When you're the son of God and you cry out, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Does it get any more difficult than that? Is it more difficult than in the garden? The Son of God says, Father, if it be what thy will, let this cup, let this tragedy, let this pain, let this sin, let this suffering, let this moment of the valley, if it possible, let it pass by. Don't make me go through this. If it's, but if it doesn't, if you can't, if you are determined for me to go through this, then not my will, thine be done. And the children, the three Hebrew boys, before they were cast in the fiery furnace, our God's able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to cave. You get what I'm saying, folks? It's a personal valley for each of us at times. It's so personal. It's our valley. And I get a little put out with my military friends who talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And they'll come to me and say, well, I'm doing okay except for my PTSD. I, I want to say, quit calling it your PTSD. Don't claim it. Now, I'm not one of those name it, claim it kind of guys. You know, you say it and all of a sudden it pops up. That'd be nice if it worked that way. I did everything the television evangelist told me to do. My wife still died. I did everything the TV evangelist said to do. My mom still died. I was born to a mom that when I was born, previous children never broke her body. I was born, killed her. Over a period of time, she went down so bad from the day of my birth till she died at 70, she never had a, a day that she wasn't sick to the point that for decades, curled up in a fetal position in a nursing home, incommunicado. And I prayed just exactly the way those guys told me to pray. And she still died. So where's the hope? My hope is in Christ Jesus, not a TV evangelist. My hope is in Christ Jesus, not a resiliency trainer with the Department of Defense. Because as good as I want to be, I'm not near as good as Jesus. I have some answers that I've learned through experience. He has all the answers. And in the midst of his darkest hours, 
He said, not my will, thine be done. And with that giant leap of faith, he went all the way through the cross, through the grave, through the ascension, and he's coming back one day for us. That's my hope of glory. That's our hope. There's a, there's a well to drink from, and we go from well to well, strength to strength, until we all appear before God in Zion. Then the battle's over. The fight's done, folks. No more tears. No more pain. No more loss. And I get my baby back. <laughs> and you get your loved ones back. But let's go to heaven for Jesus to be like him. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap off. You with me? All right. I'm going to close now. And I'd like to pray with you. I have a video to show, but I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't been told when to quit, but I'm assuming that the next service is at 1030. Is that right? Is that, that good? So I'm not too sweet. Pastor's wife, am I okay on time? Okay. What'd she say? I couldn't hear that. Keep going. Well, I do want to close in prayer. But can't, can't, you don't have to bow your heads, but we do that out of trying to show God that we're humble. It's kind of like, oh, God. We change our voice, but tremble in it so he didn't know who's really calling, asking for all that stuff. And uh, I'm not ashamed to lift my face before him and pray because what I'm going to pray and what we want to pray about today is not for us. We're going to pray for others, put others before ourselves. The Bible teaches that. So we're going to pray for, let's pray for community, Colorado Springs. Father in heaven, let this light so shine on this hill that Briargate and the church at Briargate will be blessed because of the people that are in this room right now. Make us well diggers. Make us people that consider others more than ourselves. And if we dig a hole in the ground, we don't get a drop of water out. We sweat more than we would ever hope to drink. Let it be that someone will come in the rains that fill the pool. That impression we left behind us, that hole in the ground may be nothing more than a footprint, but it gathered and garnered enough water to capture a floating seed that that little piece of hope could sprout roots and grow into a palm and be the beginning of an oasis. Who knows? This I do know, God. You are flowing from your throne every minute. You are the water of life. Jesus, you said it at the tomb of Lazarus. In the deepest, darkest valley a person could get, even in death in the tomb, you brought him forth with the command, Lazarus, come forth. And you had to put his name for it or every dead body in the world would have come forth. You had to identify the person because that's the power of your water of life. And you told his family, if you believe, you'll never die. You drink of this water, you'll never thirst. So, Lord, today I pray that the church at Briargate will be a well of never-ending hope and a drink of water in a dry and thirsty land. In Jesus' name, I believe you to make that happen. This is my question to you here today. Are you thirsty? Are you in the middle of your sorrow? Are you in the middle of a well of a of a valley without a well? Are you in the middle of a difficult time? I'm going to ask you two questions. Do you love me? Amen. That was pretty pathetic. Do you love me? Amen. Now here's the next one. Do you trust me? Oh, that's pretty good. Well, if you love me and you trust me, then you know I would never hurt you. So what I'm going to ask, you already trust me, you know I'm not going to hurt you. So I'm asking you to do two things. One, stand. Everybody, everybody in the house, stand. And the second thing is, since you're already on your feet, trust me that I will not embarrass you or make it difficult for you. 
But if you're thirsty, I got a glass of water for you today. I would love to be able to pray for you if you're in a dark time. Because I know what that means. I just came back, as I mentioned, from Special Operations Command Pacific with the Navy SEALs and the, and the Green Beret. They called me just a few weeks after I lost my wife. They said, we can't believe you came. Why would you still come? Because no matter what valley I'm in, the water's still good. The well is still good. And I told those people, and I'm going to tell you, all the years I've been training resiliency for the Department of Defense and all the branches of our military, for all those years I've been training, I said to those guys a few weeks ago, my, my grandson is here. He was there with me all this trip to overseas to our military. I told him, I said, now I'm living what I've been teaching, and I have good news. It works. So here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm living what I preached to you this morning, and it works. If you'll drink from this water, you'll never thirst again. So if you're in a difficult, depressed time in the valley of weeping, I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. But you're already on your feet, and you said you love me, and you said you trust me. Would you be willing to come stand at me just face-to-face -face pray a prayer with you? Would you do that right now? Anyone in the room? I know it's a small crowd. I know you feel very obvious. How do you think I feel? I don't even attend this church except to speak. I'm a stranger in the land, but I don't feel that way. Don't feel like a stranger. Come stand right here. I'd like to pray with you. Anybody? Take it or leave it because we're going to pray and go if you don't. Anybody? I'm going to give you 30 seconds or less to make it. Come on down. Anybody else? And I can't see if you're walking. The lights kind of blind me. Anybody else? And if you don't mind standing right I need a well digger to stand right by her. One of you ladies that, that you're just on fire for. Come stand with her. God bless you. Yes, you can. She's actually standing here, as we call it in the ministries, standing in the gap. She has someone that she's believing for. We're going to pray for her exactly like that person standing right here. All right? Anybody else? You want to come? You need this prayer. All right? We're, they, these folks are laying hands on you. The Bible teaches us that if, we, that if we lay hands on, even for the sick, we anoint with oil. But if we pray the prayer of faith, not fear. We pray the prayer of faith. God delivers. And the signs that follow are healings, baptisms, speaking in tongues even. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a new thing nowadays. It's kind of funny. When I trained for Vietnam, I learned Vietnamese. I grew up, spoke Spanish before I did English because my invalid mother had a nanny who was Mexican. I didn't speak English until I was six years old. They told me I wasn't a Mexican. It blew my Hispanic mind. I go to Vietnam, I get my personal pronouns mixed up, and they say, you're not Vietnamese or Spanish. You're Pentecostal. You speak a language, even God has to have a translator. See, I'm laughing a little bit, because in this valley of sorrow, there's great joy that comes. That water is cold on a hot day, makes that, that, that little drink cup just sweat with all that beautiful water. I want you to walk out of here believing with a joy in your eyes that I can see a little glimmer of already that God is going to answer the prayers of these people and your willingness to stand in the gap, make up that hedge, to protect whoever you are praying for and believing for that God will succeed in everything that is their need and the desire of your heart for them. In the name of Jesus, that is my prayer. We collectively believe it. And where two or more, there's a bunch more than two gathered in your name. And we pray believing and asking that you will and do and can and are already answering in the name of Jesus. 
meet the need that is represented by this woman here today. I want the entire church to follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, you're alive and well. You are not a deaf God. You're not a mute God. You hear, you are here, and you respond. And the cry of your children is never wasted on your ears. In the name above all names, your name, your name, Jesus, Savior of your people, Christ Jesus, the anointed Savior of your people, save your people today. Live up to your name today. And we believe in you. And we say, amen, meaning so be it. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord a clap off. Thank you for obeying God. Thank you for obeying God. Now, walk out here believing that answer is not just heard. It's already on the way. And by the time you get to it, it may have already been done. Amen. Thanks for letting me share my heart with you. Please do this for me. Understand that the materials we mentioned earlier, I do not get any royalties. I take no sales percentages. I get nothing out of it except the huge joy of knowing when you make that purchase, you're helping me put a warrior through our program and reconnecting them to family, friends, and faith in the most powerful triad and triangle of building materials known. Help me help them. And if you choose, you can give in an offering. They're going to do that. I don't know how they'll go about doing it. But if you choose to give, the offering does not come to me. It goes to our warriors. It goes to our building program of a new pavilion that's being finished up right now. Well, starting again in the morning on Monday. Right now, the finished product of the last building project at Eagle Summit Ranch, Texas, bringing in our warriors where they are healed in so many ways, but primarily spiritually. So when you give today, no, it's not for me. They'll tell you how to make out a check. Thousand is spelled T-H-O-U. <laughs> you, you can laugh. But I will tell you, if you can give a $1,000 gift or more from an individual or company, not collectively, it is matched by banker insurance in Texas, dollar for dollar, up to $100,000. He's done the $100,000 matching gift nine times, and he'll continue to do that as long as he lives, and God knows what he'll do through his will because he believes in America, believes in Dave, believes in our troops, believes in you, and he loves Jesus. And he's my sugar daddy. Don't mess with my sugar daddy. But if you want to give, you can give on your credit card, and it will be matched beginning at 1000 or above. Not many people can do that, but I always do it because I never know who's in a crowd. So that offer is out there for you. Thank you for supporting our ministry. And I want you to know this is not for Dave. This is for others. I'm a well digger, just like you. Let's dig a well and hit some water today. Thanks for letting me mention all that. They'll come and take over from here. There you are. I love you, girl. Thanks for letting me be here. Okay, my mic's on now. You can hear me. We don't want to go through that again, the Verizon thing. Um, we're so glad you were here. Thanks, um, Dave, for coming and speaking with us. You know, um, one of the things that Scott and I realized once we moved to Colorado Springs is the um, military presence in Colorado Springs. I think we always knew it was here, but to just understand what that means. And that, well, that's why we think that Dave um, is able to really speak to the heart of who we are as a church. So we're going to take up an offering. If I could, and as you leave, you can just drop your the plates at the door. That would be fantastic. And as you leave, you can just drop your 
um, offering in the plate as the doors we go out. And um, uh, we're just so glad you're here. So let's just make things feel normal. Before noon tomorrow, you know the rest of it. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs>